Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling podcast. For countless parents, the journey to unschooling has redefined childhood and transformed their family relationships. Are you curious? Together, let's explore what living and learning looks like without school. Hello, explorers. I'm Pamela Rickia, and this is episode number 332 of the podcast. It's the 17th of August, 2022, as I record this intro. And this week, I'm sharing the second part of my recent conversation with Jay Williams. Jay is a former teacher and new unschooling dad of two young children. We first spoke about a year ago, right at the start of his de-schooling journey. It was great to catch up with him and to hear his reflections about what he's discovered in the last year. So Jay talks about the moments when he wonders if he's doing enough to support his children's learning. We dive into some ways to support an interest in math and what that can look like outside of the school environment. And he shares what has surprised him most about unschooling, including the value of slowing down. Jay's observations are insightful and his curiosity about life and learning is inspiring. I also wanted to mention a video he recently shared on his YouTube channel, Black Dad. It's a review of his first year of unschooling, and it's titled Stay-at-Home Dad Gives Raw, Honest Take on Unschooling. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. As he explains in the description, hopefully sharing details of my unschooling life will help others in theirs. And I thought I'd share my comment on the video. I really enjoyed this, Jay. Your thoughts and journey feel so familiar. Recognizing that so much of it is our work to do and choosing to release so much of what we think we know and dig in to rediscover who we want to be. Discovering the immense value of slowing down and giving ourselves and our kids time to make real choices rather than defaulting to conventional stories and expectations. And the dawning realization that strong and connected relationships are foundational to cultivating happy and meaningful to us lives. And that this is really just the beginning. Lovely, lovely and rich stuff. And before we dive in, I want to take a moment to thank everyone who has chosen to support the podcast through Patreon. And a big welcome to new patron, Claudia Ermitau. Hi, Claudia. I deeply appreciate all my patrons. Your generous support is instrumental in keeping the podcast archive freely available to anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to join my community of patrons and scoop up some great rewards along the way, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash exploring unschooling. And now please enjoy the rest of my conversation with Jay. Okay, this is probably a very good time. Let's dive into that. Am I doing enough as an unschooler question? And this is a question that um, I feel, at least for me, it comes up over the years. It's not kind of a one and done thing where, you know, um, it comes up for me and I process it and I get the answer and then it doesn't come up again or it comes up two years from now. And it's like, oh, that was the answer. Remember that. And then it goes away. No, it it is a really good question because again, it means that we are still pondering things that we still want to be engaged in our lives as unschooling parents in our, excuse me, in our family's lives. So to ask ourselves if we're kind of doing enough, it's a great kind of check-in point for us. 
Yeah. Oh, did you want to, did you want to share anything about that? before? So, we- so yeah. Um, man, it's so much, but so I feel like, <laughs> I feel like we've talked about it so much, but it's literally a lot, but so, um, like for example, my daughter, right. She loves TV, but another thing that she really loves is counting. Sounds weird, right? She loves to counting. count. One, one time we were in a car and she was like, uh, we were just, we were, I guess we were riding for a while. She was like, oh, daddy, I counted to 250. It's like, oh, okay, cool, Mike, Mike. And then, um, then you know, a little bit later, she's like, daddy, I counted to 500. I was like, oh, wow, okay, so you're keeping this thing going. And then um, she's like, daddy, I counted to 750, right? And the same car ride, like same time, right? And I was, and she's like, what's the highest you ever counted to? I was like, I don't know, maybe eight, 900 when I was a kid, I guess, or something. And she's like, okay, <laughs> she's quiet. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's like, daddy, I counted to a thousand. I was like, yeah, I've never counted to a thousand, not in one sitting, you know? So it was like, it's, she just loves counting. So, um, so now she's shown me that interest. I'm not a math person. I'm not a counting person. Right. Um, and the only way I know to kind of fulfill that is with either games that involve counting or worksheets, like seriously, like it's and I, and I was introducing her to this idea of like like little things like we'll buy yogurts and packs of four and there's four packs of four and I was like oh Mikey that's sixteen and I did and she was like how did you do that so fast without counting each one and I was like that's multiplication and she would say um, she's like oh what's multiplication so she would like she'll be interested in that you know just in that moment right. Um, and I want her to continue to do that. Right. Cause maybe she could do my taxes one day. Cause you know what I mean? So, um, but, uh, so like, uh, am I doing enough, like, you know, helping her with that? Like, cause I, I don't want to just give her worksheets. Cause I know that's what everybody said. Oh, they're interested in, you know, give her some worksheets and stuff, give her, you know, a, a first grade or a second grade math book. And it's like, I don't want to do that, but I don't really know. And I know there's math everywhere, but I don't know what else to do to kind of, you know, you understand my question to kind mm-hmm. of, you know, continue to, you know, the um, grow that fire in her of, that she has of numbers. Cause you know, maybe she'll be, you know, uh, I, I just watched a movie the other day. It's an older movie with Russell Crowe, The Beautiful Mind. You know, maybe she'll be this, yeah. you know, math genius, you know. And, and it was like, yeah, I remember when she counted to a thousand in the car when she was six, you know, like, uh, but but um, so it's it's just trying to figure out, am I doing enough? Right. Am I stroking the fire enough and sparking her interest enough with the things that she's showing me she's interested? Yeah. Yeah. No, that very different context for all these for this question can be applied in all sorts of, all sorts of ways. I love this one. Um, so many things bubble up for me. So for me, (laughs) (laughs) when I'm, when it's about a child and, and an interest they have, um, one thing that is always very helpful for me was to look to the child for examples, like your counting story just took me right back to, and it was our first year of unschooling. So like 20 years ago, we took a vacation and on vacation, my youngest, Michael, just got into counting like over the vacation. So I would have like paper in my purse or something and write whatever number he got to. And then the next time um, we got, and he would like to do it out loud. And so when we we're like outside of the place, just sitting out, we were like in the mountains in BC 
and we'd like go out for a hike. He's like, what number was I at? And I tell him what number. And then he would just pick up from there and count and count and count. Anyway, so that was a very fun memory. Thank you for sparking that. (laughs) But um, for me, so the urge for worksheets and your resistance. Um, I don't know if you've ever, have you come across a mathematician's lament? I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, it is a great piece. It too is 20, 25 years old, but it talks about the, the curriculum, the worksheetiness and, and math um, and the challenges that he, he is a mathematician, obviously a mathematician's lament, um, his uncomfortableness with the way math it was being taught in schools, is being taught in school. Um, so that would be a very a fascinating piece for you to open up your mind a bit more and to help you understand why you're feeling a little bit of resistance to just plop down a worksheet as a solution to your child's joy and interest in this. Because um, that could, you know, be one way to turn it off. Um, another piece uh, that came up for me, like this is where community shines right? To be able to go and chat to other unschoolers who um, won't just say, give her a worksheet. Like, like you were saying, like I go say, oh, she's loving counting. Oh, get her a math textbook, get her worksheets, like dive into that because maybe she's going to do my taxes someday, right? (laughs) Like those are absolutely um, thoughts that are going to bubble up around it. But we did just have a question a month ago or so in the network. And then, so we were sharing books. Um, Like there's, there's a book, called Google, I think that's all about numbers and the history of numbers and how big they can go. And, you know, there are oh, a lot- Google's the biggest number. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Google as, <laughs> yeah, I was like, as the number, not the company. <laughs> Did she tell me to Google? <laughs> <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Yep. Um, so there are so many ways beyond the worksheet to um, bring the world of of math and specifically right now, she seems to be interested in the numbers themselves, right? Um, So just finding different ways, like opening up our lens to the different ways that we can support and engage. And maybe that's as much as she's interested in, you may find. That's why I said, looking to our kids to see, like if I bring in a few other things related, are they interesting? Do they catch her attention or not, you know? was this a spurt of counting? And now she feels really comfortable with numbers and, you know, the pattern of numbers as you go through the tens and the hundreds and up into a thousand, like seeing how consistent that pattern is. I'm sure going through it and counting in her head, the patterns were just shining for her. Right. And maybe that is, was satisfying enough. Like again, no timeline to it. Right. Um, So that's why, you know, we can bring things that, am I doing enough? Like try things. There's nothing wrong with bringing in some books or, you know, find, you know, find a few worksheets that you think might be fun. The challenge is the expectation, like that we think, oh, because they like this, they should want more of this or us being disappointed if the worksheet wasn't fun or the stories that we're reading. Nah, I don't want to read that story. Let's read something else or let's watch something else, you know? Maybe there's some TV shows around um, counting in numbers. I think there might be too, you know, 
It might be. I, I actually don't be. know of any. If you guys I, know something, I remember from when my kids were younger, like um, PBS and stuff. I think there were a few kind of mashups. What about games, um, like video games and stuff, where there's puzzles and counting? I'm thinking about Zumbinis. Um, that was one my kids loved, but it was re-released, re-released in the last few years. And, and like, I picked up a copy of it, <laughs> you know, because then, but bringing that, those things in without expectation just helps us learn more about their interest, right? Like, do they find that book interesting? Maybe we'll dive more. And that helps us understand a bit better what kind of direction their mind is at, which way they're going with it, what they're getting out of it. Maybe the the computer game, yes or no, like it or don't like it. Like all these things, their reactions and how they engage with it are just clues to us that help us support them more, right? Yeah. Help us better understand what they're getting, what their interest actually is. Um, I think that the hardest part is of the am I doing enough as an unschooler when it's related to supporting our kids' interests, the challenge is if we bring expectations, like I'm finding all these different things and you're not doing them. Or, you know, I brought these books from the library. You know, we need, let's read this book first before we read that other book you like. Let's watch this show about numbers um, before we watch your favorite show. Like when we start bringing kind of our power, when we start trying to direct it, that's where the am I doing enough? That that can be a little clue to us that we're kind of stepping over. But when we want to support them, we can bring in all sorts of things that might catch their interest um, and just see what does. Or if nothing does, it's like it's totally OK that, you know, this is as far as they want to do it right now, because there is no there literally is no timeline. And I will put a link in the show notes to my conversation um, with Alec Crossett who unschooled all the way um, in his, was I don't know, I think he was in his early 20s, decided to go to college. Um, and he's now doing his PhD in math. Mm. You know, he discovered his level. Oh, he, he's an adult unschooler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's, it's okay. a grown, uh, growing up unschooling episode okay. with him. And, um, you know. He, Interested, when did he learn first? learn math or when did not learn but i guess when did he start learning i guess you could say basic math was it um earlier than normal did he learn it later in life or i love this question because i wonder how you're defining basic math mathematicians lament it's going to be really cool for you because there are um like for me there's a distinction kind of between the the formal math notation like how we write out addition, how we write out multiplication, you know, is that kind of what you're doing with basic, like your daughters is and your kids will learn how to add things together. And, you know, seeing that multiplication is just a really fast way to add together groups mm-hmm. of, yeah. of, of numbers. And, and my experience is they pick up so much mathematical understanding, like the pattern pieces patterns, logic, like all these pieces make up math, formal notation. um, And, you know, memorizing formulas is really such a small piece of what the world of math is. 
right? So keeping that definition small is one of the challenging things. So that's why a mathematician's element, that's, yeah. uh, you know, it's been many years since I read it, but the, that was my big takeaway. Like, so the sewing, when my daughter was really into, um, into sewing things while she was listening to audiobooks, like there was so much pattern work in there. Knitting, there was so much pattern work. Um, computer games, there's so much, like, so much data inside computer games, navigation, like there are numbers galore, like you said, all around us. And recognizing that just because we can't write down the mathematical sentence to represent it doesn't mean we don't understand the what is happening behind two plus two, right? We don't need to be able to write down two plus two equals four to understand so that the the moment we see the notation, it's like, oh, that is just representing this thing that I already know. And like, it's so fascinating to watch unschooling kids in action and how they do so many of these things in the way that makes sense to them. Like even the notation and and you remember like show your work because you can't just Mm -hmm. give the answer and you have to use the process that the teacher tells you that you have to use. Yeah. 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 Any process that gets you to the answer, to the right answer is, is works, right? Um, it's just not the one that they wanted to see, et cetera. So like peeling apart all that is, is super interesting and super fun. And for Alec, I'll put the link in the show notes for people to hear, but I believe like, so growing up, he was very much into gaming. So a lot of his um, knowledge about that came through gaming. Mm-hmm. Um, when he decided to go to college, I think he did maybe a couple of months of Khan Academy just to kind of catch up on some of that so that he could write the test and test out of some of the beginner math. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but, and those are different choices. Like some people just, just go to college and yeah, I'll happily take, like there was somebody else, another interview that I did for that series. And she's like, oh, I don't want to like do that catch up. I'll just go and do the, the classes at the college that are already for the school kids who didn't pick it up in their 12 years of school. I'll go do a couple of semesters of, of basic math um, because I've been doing all sorts of other fun things for my life up to this point. Now is when I want to do it. I'll catch up with your basic math remedial courses, remedial only because they thought they'd get them in those 12 years of classes beforehand, but they didn't, you know, so many different choices. And then he went into I think he went into engineering and then found he didn't like that, but he liked the math part of it. Again, much better to go back and listen to the episode. (laughs) It's been a few years, but I know like I'm connected with them on, on social media and yeah, he's now in the PhD program for math because like he found that he loved math and that he wants to become like a teacher or professor. And so not doing math, up through like his teenage years, like no formal math was not, uh, did not slow him down at all. And so that's the fascinating piece is like when that's why it's so great to hit things when they're actually interesting to us, not do them in prep, just in case someday we might be right. When it's interesting, like then we can, we have the determination, we have the intrinsic motivation, we have the reason, the goal, even if it's something, maybe it's something just that we have to tick off to get where we want to go. 
we really want to get there because it's our choice. It's not because I want to, you know, get my degree because that's what everybody does. And I need to have that degree to get like the job that I'm supposed to or whatever. But when it's our choice, there is so much that will will do, not because we love it, it on its own, but because it's on the path to the places that we want to go. But when it's on our timetable, it's like a whole different world. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, that's just I that's when I like I grew up loving math, right? I took math all through university and uh, I I cannot do any of it now because uh I didn't even end up using it for work much when mm-hmm. when I when I worked out of university. So it's it's just so fascinating to see how math unfolds. And it's another area because between math and reading, right? Um, the, our society has just drummed in our head that these are so important and they're so important. We can't leave them to the child. Like when is a child going to want to sit down and do a math worksheet? Yeah, you're right. They're probably, (laughs) (laughs) but that's not the only way, right? Yes. That's the way that works really well in school. Yeah. But that's because of the system and the way the constraints that they have within the system and the classroom, and their time limit, that's why it makes sense. Like that is the way to do it in, in school, in the classroom. Yet when you don't have that constraint, you can see the bigger picture of math. You can see um, how it lives in the world. And your kids can just pick that up because they're living in it. And when they're super excited about a thing, absolutely, let's find ways to bring more of that thing into their life, but see whether or not that actually excites them. Not, it's like, oh, my child wanted to take piano lessons and damn, they're so, so good. They're going to be a pianist. And then all of a sudden I've got all that weight on top of them and they can feel that energy, that expectation that you're good at this, you're talented at this. So you really should keep going with this, whether or not it's something that brings them that joy that we were talking about earlier. Yeah. And that that's that's probably the biggest thing that I've noticed about myself that I have to constantly check myself with mm-hmm. is because I am extremely competitive and like I, I don't like being mediocre for me. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, so like if I'm interested in something, I want to be at the very least above average to mm-hmm. exceptional at it. Right. And um, and I and I kind of want that for my kids, but I got to realize that's me. Right. So I, I don't want my desires and my goals to be a weight on them. You know, so, you know, if she so it's it's this back and forth of, OK, I want to inspire her to continue following her interests, but I don't want to do it just because I want her to be you know, win a Nobel Peace Prize for math, right? Or economics or something. You know, I, I don't want it just because of it. I don't want her to, you know, um, like, for example, I, I say to my wife, because she wa- she does watch a lot of TV. So I'll say to my wife, you know, um, I, you know I, I think she really likes the stories. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if she, like, writes a book or makes a movie or her own show or something like that, because she's so into those things. But if she's not, like, I'm okay with that. Like if her watching six hours of TV one day doesn't lead her to, you know, being an award winning director, like, you know, <laughs> it's, like it's I got to be able to separate those things. Right. And um, so what you said, you know, it's right on. And that's, you know, part of my de process is 
I don't want these arbitrary standards and rules and expectations on on them. You know, I, I want them to to live within their their own journey and their own path. Sorry, go ahead. So then, no, the the one thing that just bubbled up for me when you were speaking there, like wanting to inspire them, and that is awesome. Um, the the tweak that I think might help, or you might want to like think about, peel back mm-hmm. some layers around, is. <clears throat> We can inspire, I think, through the things that we choose to do. So you can be inspiring because inspiring to your child because of the way you dive into the things that you love Mm. versus because they don't need, I feel like they don't need inspiration to pursue the things they're interested in. Like that's coming from the top and is trying to push them to something in particular. Rather, we can just help them do the things they are already inspired to do. They are already motivated to do. I don't think um, that inspiration is something we need to instill in them. I think we what's it's a better frame to go in with, I want to help them find the things that they are so motivated and inspired by, they want to keep doing them. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So instead of saying, oh, you really like numbers or TV or whatever, I you don't need to come in and inspire you to do more of it. I need to. Am I doing enough? Like bring in possibilities around that thing so they can discover how interested in or how motivated they are to keep going if they are inspired like I Inspiration to me feels like internal to the person. Yeah. I am inspired to do this thing because I love it so much or I'm passionate about it yeah. or whatever. So if in if doing things that are inspiring to ourselves is something that's a high, uh, a high value for you, you can show it through the things you're choosing to do and the things you're inspired about and passionate about and just showing and sharing how much fun you're having doing it. And then just helping them find the things that are inspiring to them. You know what I mean? It's, it's just, it's almost doing the same things, but doing it from a different perspective instead of trying to inspire them to come in this direction because you like this thing, I'm going to inspire you to get to the next level by showing you what the next level is. Instead, we can underneath them, help them explore where they are and just see if they continue to be inspired and motivated to keep moving down and finding the path that works for them. Because that's one of the things so often I can be like, I just use my daughter's example. Like she, as a young teen and through her teen years, loved going to concerts, we called them shows, you know, and she started playing guitar and, you know, I could have, I could have taken that interest as, you know, she loves music. She's wanting to play an instrument. She's loving, you know, um, these, these musicians, right? So I could have assumed like that was the path that they were um, interested in and were inspired upon. And I could have been like, oh, but what about lessons? Oh, but this, you know, I could have been trying to inspire her to move down that path. Yet now looking back, what I've seen is her, her passion was really photography. And that's what inspired her. And how that interest in music has come around is that now 
as a photographer, she works almost exclusively with musicians now. Hmm. Right. So that is how, like, she's like, I love their creative energy. I love, you know, photographing them. I love working with them to create the images and all that kind of stuff. So what I thought was the path or what seemed like the most logical path for their interest um, was completely different from how it ended up fitting really well into their life, the way it wove into their life eventually. Right. So I think that can be the challenge if, again, you know, even back to the piano, you know, maybe what brings them joy is, is that they're going to learn to play the songs that they love and at family gatherings, they just love getting everybody going and, and playing the music around people that they love. And that's, that will be a beautiful thing over the years versus, you know, concert pianist, you know, mm-hmm. we can, what seems to us to be the logical path forward for their interest. If, if we're trying to inspire them, we are kind of inspiring them in a particular direction. Whereas if we're supporting them and helping them just explore the possibilities where they are in this moment, then that helps them find the path that they may or may not, or want to, or don't want to, or maybe five years from now, pick up, mm-hmm. you know, that it seems almost like semantics, but it, it really is. That is, uh, uh, was for me a huge unschooling aha moment to recognize the difference between you know, of the effect I was having when I saw something that they loved and that they were interested in. And then I wanted to support them, recognizing that, oh, the things that I'm bringing into their life are kind of just the things that are pointing them in the direction of where I think it's going to go. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not like I want them to be a concert pianist or whatever, it's still like, but that's the only way I see this unfolding just because of my experiences. Right. So to yeah. get back, I'm always talking about beginner's mind, getting back to open and curious. It's about how did they see it? How might they see it? Which ties into, am I doing enough? Because then it's just like bubbling up different possibilities for them. It's taking ourselves out of that picture completely, but Again, it's not stepping back. It's it's being completely engaged with them because that's what helps them process. Oh, look, you brought this book and no, that's not interesting to me. Or, you know, we did this thing and oh, that's not very interesting to me. Oh, this is super interesting to me. But we've helped them see, you know, the possibilities that exist where they are. And then they get to kind of pick and see what direction it goes. So again, it's not stepping back, but it's just stepping in with them where they are versus where we imagine they might go. So can, can, can I ask you a quick question with that? Yeah, yeah. Um, um, so uh, from your experience with it, is, is it better to ask ahead and um, be okay with the no, or is it to present it um, the opportunity and um be okay with the no like so let's say like your daughter with she was interested in the guitar would it be like oh it seems like you're really interested in guitar would you you know uh, would you be interested in some lessons or would it be like hey i saw these lessons that um so and so is offering you know um they said they could do it on tuesday would you that be something you're interested in? you you see what I'm, i i you see what my question's yep. going but yep how would yeah that That would also try, like, I would kind of at first try both ways and see which works better for my child. Like for me, um, 
I found I would try to, instead of asking ahead of time, especially when it's something new, because they don't really know the context of it. They don't really know much about what it would be like saying, oh, I found out about, you know, this park or this thing. Do you want to go? So often the answer just to a quick question like that may well be no, because they don't really know what's there. They don't like you have to launch into a 20 minute conversation about it. So for me, it was more about bringing in enough information so they could make those choices. Real decision. Yeah. yeah. So that's why I'm saying like bringing in, in the game, bringing in the books, bringing in the things, not saying, oh, I found this. I heard about this game that has something to do with numbers. Would you like me to get it? Yeah. Like that, that is just not enough, but, oh, you know, I picked up this game here. It looked really fun. I tried it out. It's so much, you know, like, and then you can connect it to something that they're interested in. So it's not convincing them. So it's not trying to control or convince yet. It's giving them enough context and information so they can make a, a better for lack of a bit, like a more informed choice. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, as much as I could, I tried to just bring it in and let them let them choose if it was interesting to them. Bigger things or things that, you know, cost more or that you have to travel to, yeah. you know, you, you that those are need to be discussions ahead of time before it's not yeah. like, oh, hey, we're going to go and travel to, you know, this other state because I heard about this conference that I think you'd really love. You know, something like that. Yet, I would still try to gather as much information. I would still try to share the pieces that I thought would be interesting to them. Again, so that they can make a more informed choice of it's something they want to do or don't want to do. And then the other piece, too, is also knowing that when you've shared something and they've said no, especially something like that doesn't mean that's a no forever. There, There were definitely times like six months, two years down the road where, you know, one of my kids came home and said, hey, remember you mentioned that thing? You know, hey, next time it's around, I think I'd like to try it. Yeah. Or, you know, pieces like that. Like you're um, helping them just by mentioning things. You're bringing them into the world, whether or not they do it, they know that those things exist now, right? Exactly. And so <clears throat> whenever it makes a connection for them, whenever they're interested in, they know it's something that's on the plate that they can choose. So it may at some point become something they want to do. That makes sense, right? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. Like there's um, my, I've talked in one of my videos about how my daughter, she doesn't have an interest in reading right now. Like I mentioned, she's basically seven years old and um recently so we've been going to these uh um different groups or whatever or she's been going to these different groups where she's around other first graders and obviously all of them are reading right not obviously but all of them are reading and um and you know so she gets this awkwardness with it right and discomfort and um and you know so we talk through it you know we talk through it was like you know how does this make you feel or why do you feel that way and 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 she one day in those conversations she said um i actually i want to i want to read because i don't like the way it makes me feel to be around people that do know how to read um and i want to kind of learn how to read and i was like okay that's fine so um, i was like well there's a lot of ways we could do this you know we could just pick up books you're interested in i could read them to you or we could um 
you know, there's little phonics things that you could do or there's all kind of stuff. Right. And, um, you know, just giving her different information and, and, um, and options with it. And she, one person recommended this, um, reading series all about reading, I think is the name of it. And, um, and I looked at it and it was like, it had all these little games and this little stuff and animal sock thing. And I was like, Oh, this looks interesting. So I showed it to her. I was like, Hey, would you be interested in this? She was like, yeah, that looks cool. So we start doing it and um, she's liking it, but not like I want to do this every day like it. She's like, uh, you know, so I'll offer, you know, I'll say, hey, you want to do reading? Sometimes she's like, no, <laughs> not today, daddy. I want to watch this show. It's getting good. But and then there's other days she's like it, she'll do it. And there's other days she'll do it and she'll literally do, do it for like two or three hours. Like just me and her working on this little reading program and. Like they have things where you make it like what she likes. That's why I feel like she's literally going to write a book one day or a movie or something, but a script, but she likes making sentences. She doesn't like reading other people's sentences, but she likes making her own, you know? Um, so she's going to be a, a you know, a Pam LaRicia, La you know, one day, you know <laughs> writing, her, writing multiple books. But, um, but, um, but yeah, so it's, you know, just kind of like it, oh, what, everything you said, like it, it really resonated because, like I want to support, right? But then I don't want to do it just because I want my baby to read before she's this age, right? But, um, and at the same time, I, I don't want her to feel, um, like she said, like she didn't like the way she felt, you know, not knowing how to read, you know? And, and I get that because, you know, I've been in situations where I just felt awkward around my peers and, and I don't want it to feel that way. And, and this is something that can help her toward, you know, maybe lessening that discomfort, you know, but, but also understand that everybody's going to be different. You know, you're not going to necessarily like just cause your friends know how to read, like you do other things very exceptional and, um, and understanding that I don't want you to judge yourself based on your peers and surroundings. So it's like, man, unschooling, it's just this whole thing, right? It's like, like, that's, I'm, I'm just describing like one little lesson, right? That's like, this all so much, so many layers and so much to pull back from, but um, yeah, it's yeah. everywhere. Learning I, so I remember those, those times too. Um, and it was, there were just throwing in conversations with um, him about you know, yeah, they're, you know, they need to learn reading early for school because that's how, you know, that's how they get stuff from, from the teacher, right? They need to be able to read for school. You're spending your time doing other things. And then when he would hang out with them, you know, he could see that there were other things that he was more skilled at. And it's just like, one's not better than the other it's just like what works for them and because they're going to school that they need to spend their time you know working on that skill whereas you're doing all sorts of other things and that you really love that you're really good at x that they don't have a lot of experience with so just to kind of open that window because for some kids they are naturally going to read later you, we don't know for sure how it's going to unfold for them. So like to feel like there's a pressure that this is something that they can just learn when they want to learn, that can be, you know, a hard thing for them because if they find it more difficult after, you know, if they're not developmentally ready for it yet, that can feel like it's a failure of theirs, mm -hmm. right? So when it's like we learn different things at different times 
And then, you know, this could be, this is a reading game. It's like playing with words. And if you like playing with words and you like stringing them together in your sentences, whenever you want to play that, we can play that. And then there's, you know, if she's, cause she's interested. And I remember there were times when, um, you know, because like what they call reading and learning to read, it's only, a, especially in grade one, it's a subset of, not, of words, right? They don't, they can't like pick up a book and, uh, like pick up a Harry Potter book or pick up, you know, books like that and read. So, and one thing many parents have found over the years is that that's how kind of unschooling kids define being able to read is like what reading looks like in the world, like picking up any book or walking past any sign and being able to read it. Like many of us have found our kids will say, I can't read or I don't read um, when, but that's their measure. So sometimes when he's like, ah, you know, disappointed that he wasn't reading, I'd be like, well, what's this word? And what's this, like the words that I knew he knew (laughs) already, right? To say, well, you know, you're reading. It's just more words, you know, that you might want to, that you'll, you would like to bring in to your, uh, to your world. Um, The other piece. So you said she loves watching TV, you know, maybe ask if she wants to put subtitles on. You know, that's another way that you can bring words into her world in the way she likes her world, you know. So it's, it's again, not saying textbooks and worksheets or phonics games and learning to read programs are bad, but they're not the only way. Like, they're just one option. There's, like, so much more to the world of numbers and, and words um, that that really do exist in, in our environment that can be all sorts of ways rather than the one school looking way, right? Because a school looking way looks that way because of the system. And once we're outside of the system, there are more possibilities. Doesn't mean we, it, we don't do those other things, but they're just one of many possibilities. So when you feel like playing the reading game and putting sentences together, that's cool, we'll play that. But it doesn't have more value over putting on the subtitles on her favorite shows than, than that or any other way we may choose to. Like, I remember we used to make like um, um, like little reading cards, like just put words on the index card, um, words that he knew and words that he wanted. Well, what are, what are some kind of words you'd like to know how to read right now? Like, what words would you like to be able to put in your sentences and stuff? And we would just make like flashcards and just play with those, like just playing games in their world. So it's not defining for them. You should be able to read this book. But what words are coming up or that, you know, that you would like to be able to read or, you know, like it, it we just learn so much about each other when we approach and, and make it playful and no one has value over another as a, the right way to learn how to read because it is so different for kids. Like there are a lot of kids who feel bad about their reading skills in school, right? Just because that way doesn't work well for them. The way their brain works and wants to pick up that skill is very different from the way that they teach it there. And for some kids, they pick it up just fine. So it's it's being able to, to be open and just pick what seems to connect for her and the way she likes to play with words yeah. versus controlling it that way. Okay. This has been a super fun conversation, Jay. We still have a couple of questions to 
Go. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what has surprised you most about your unschooling journey this year? Um. Well, I, I think I've said that a few times, but the most surprising thing is um, um, how challenging it is and how it really focuses you to really dig into your prejudices and, you know, different things that, um, you know, I've just grown up to have in my life, you know, and, um, and then tearing all of that down and then building, you know, this new world that in the image that I want it to be, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's scary, it's intimidating, um, sometimes even frustrating. And, um, but at the same time, the process, so the process is going slower than I would like, because obviously we want, we want it done, right? Mm -hmm. But, um, but, you know, one thing I, I say, like I said, I'm a coach. So one thing I say to my guys that I'm coaching, you know, it's, it's not about winning the state championship. It's not about winning at the end because I've, I've done that and it feels amazing. But when you when you've done it and you look back, you realize it's the journey getting there. Right. And so that's something that, you know, with this unschooling, the journey getting to where like what you described, even the little examples with the the TV with my, my daughter. Right. Like because we the, the subtitle thing, that's something that we do now. Right. The, where we will put and sometimes she's like, oh, can can I watch this show in Spanish? So and then she'll see the English subtitles with it in Spanish, you know, and and it's like, you know, just seeing how like these creative ways of kind of building this world the way you want it to be, but then being OK with actually, I don't like this door you built it, but let's tear it down and let's put another door there or maybe wall it, or maybe there's no door at all and have it an open path, you know, like it's, mm -hmm. sorry for all the, <laughs> all the <laughs> literal examples, but, but, um, but so it's, it's, um, so that's been, you know, something, you know, in this last year, just building this world, um, the way in the image that I, that, that I wanted, that fits with our family, that works for me and my son and my wife, and I, and, um, you know, it's, it's challenging, it's difficult, but at the same time, that, that journey of doing it, it's, it's fun. Like it's those, um, those relationships that you build. Um, and I, I've said this in one of my videos as well, like early on, it's like one of the huge benefits about those two huge benefits about unschooling that I don't think people talk enough about um one they do well one they talk about but um is the relationships that bond with your kids like it is so deep and it's so strong it's almost scary right and and it's like and it makes me so it makes me think it's like wow like I want this with everybody now <laughs> like not just my kids like I want it like everybody in my particular my circle you know like your your mom and your sisters and your nephews and nieces and and um in-laws and cousins you know like you want this close bond and um but then you don't have the time right you don't, you don't necessarily have the time to build these bonds and and then that that goes to this next thing um the the, the ability to slow down right so like like we're able to be so intentional about our relationships that we don't focus on the keeping up with the Joneses and the consumerism of it. Right. And, um, and, you know, just buying different things and working to buy things and accomplish things. It's like, no, we can focus on our relationship and our core. And so like, 
and trying to get people outside of your household to grasp that is a little difficult, but, um, but at the same time, it's, it's enjoying the journey of it because I know in the end of the day, we're going to be out of this cave and we're going to see the light. And, um, so yeah, it might be a little bit of a struggle now, but, you know, grandma, grandpa, you know, aunties, like, like we really love you and we want to have a strong relationship with you. Right. And so let's focus our time on that, not on these arbitrary standards and goals that I guess family is supposed to have. Right. These get togethers that are like, um, oh, let's have this get together, even though we are not happy with each other right now. When in our house, we're not happy with each other. We talk it out and we talk it out for as long as it takes to figure it out. Right. And we figure out, okay, why are we not happy with each other? What's in the way, you know, answering these whys. And so all of this, like I said, it's like like it's going this whole thing. And we're talking about school educating our kids, but it it goes into so many different aspects of my life, right? And and that's so that's so to answer your question, this last year, you know, the the slowing down and really making relationships so intentional. Um, um that that's been a huge part of what we're doing. And then, you know, our bond with my kids have been so strong and just wanting to spread that to other key relationships we have in our families in our lives i love that you mentioned this lying down piece because i think that was looking back that was one of the biggest aha or unexpected things for me was coming to realize how much open space we needed like you know when we kids first left school it was like oh we can yeah we can go to the science center all the time and we can go here we can do this like it's like all the things that we can do now we have the time to do all these things and all of a sudden nobody wants to do the things i'm sorry it's so true pam my first man our first month we were the museum champions went to beaches we did like sea turtle lot like we did everything like every week and people like oh my goodness you're doing so much like you can even see it in my videos like it was and you haven't seen those videos in months because it's been (laughs) us chilling on the couch you know in the backyard it's like it's it's sorry it's but you know you you just realize it's like okay am I doing this because I really want to do it or because it looks good to other people to do it you know and and it's like, and, and, you know, and you get these aha moments, like, oh, let's just slow down. And what do I, re- what really ma- brings us joy? And yeah. when we realize in our household, what brings us the most joy is us, that time with each other, that communication, playing a game, just sitting down, like, um, actually, this is one of the questions that you asked, but, but I'm um, sorry. What's but the favorite my, thing about the floor of your unschooling? Exactly, exactly, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> so like my son, he'll come to, he'll come to me, you know, wake me up and say, hey, daddy, and tell me about his dreams. Him telling me about his dreams. It's like, it literally brings such a smile on my face. It sounds corny, but it's like, he's like, oh, so I had this dream and it was this dinosaur, but he was a good dinosaur and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you know, it's just, hearing about his dreams. So it's like, I literally look, I look forward to that, like that being woken up to hear about my little guy's dreams, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, just, it's just having this flow. You know, I've been using that since we, our last conversation, we talked about flow, like having this flow in our lives. And, and I like even what you say with the routines, it's, it's, it's been so many beautiful moments with it, within it, 
And um, but that's you in order to really recognize it, you have to slow down. You have to slow down. So, yeah. Yeah, you have to slow down because that gives a space for all these things to bubble up. Like you don't you don't know what you're missing until there's space for this stuff to organically happen and unfold. Like I remember there was a season um, in my daughter's young teens where when she would wake up in the morning, it was a ritual or routine, whatever. I would make a coffee for both of us and come back to her room. And we would just like sit in her bed for half an hour, an hour, have a coffee and chat. Maybe we'd be listening to music or we'd be just whatever conversation bubbled up. And, you know, that season went on for months, uh, you know, maybe even a year, but, and, but different things bubbled up with different kids and they, you start to realize just how valuable that is, how valuable that is for our connection, for our understanding of each other, for everybody to feel seen and heard and just, just like you were saying, the relationships in general, and we come to recognize how valuable that is and how important that is to us to have the space for that to unfold versus like you said, doing all the things so that we're looking super good from the outside. No, this is what feels really good to all of us on the inside. And that's what's important to us. That's part of the the journey of peeling all that back. And yeah, I was so surprised about how much time we would like for, for processing, you know, even if it was spending the afternoon swinging outside, listening to music, you know, when your kids are a little bit older. <laughs> no, they love it. They so love much it. Like, processing. ACDC, that's her, my daughters, my, both of them. They both love them? AC, listen, which yeah. is weird. Like, classic rock and roll right my little brown kids loving classic rock and roll it's just it's just funny but but yeah no you're right it's it's amazing it's amazing how much space as human beings we like to have to process things and you know we you know we love doing stuff too but the difference between the expectation and what looks like we're doing versus how often we actually want to be doing um, can be so very different. And the the doing of the things is so different when it's like organically our choice, as in like, we want to do this right now versus, hey, you know, let's go to the museum. It'll be fun. Let's all go. You know, what? like the, the whole energy um, when choice and, and agency really becomes the foundation of the things that we do is you don't think that you don't think you're not doing that at first. You know, you think I can do all the things, this is going to be fun. Um, and, and you think you're choosing those. And I mean, you are, but when you uh, peel back the layers to get to, Ooh, like, why am I making this choice? What, how does it feel? Do other people want to do it? You know, it's, it's, it's like night and day, isn't it? It's a whole different world, as you said, Jay. <laughs> oh, that is just so beautiful. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak yeah. with me today, Jay. It was amazing. Thank you. Yeah, it was, it's, it was fun. It was, uh, I feel like free therapy and coaching as well. So <laughs> I love it. I love it. I guess 
Oh, <laughs> uh, yay. Well, before we go, um, can you let people know where they can connect with you online? Yeah. So um, I uh, still have my YouTube channel, um, Black Dad, um, all one word. And uh, on Twitter, Black Dad Journey, at Black Dad Journey. Actually, Instagram as well, at Black Dad Journey. Um, something I've noticed with both of those is that, you know, this process of slowing down as, you know, I realize there's certain things I want to focus on, but, mm-hmm. um, and I love the creating, I still love creating the videos. Um, and, um, so I still do them, but I, I'm not putting the pressure of doing it every week. Like I was, I was trying to do this thing every week and cause I want to go viral. And I was like, no, it's, I, I want to share my journey. I want it to be organic. And if I don't have one for a few weeks, I don't have one for a few weeks. But then when I do, I know that I, you know, I put my heart into it. I love it. I enjoy it. And um, so that's so you're not going to see it every week like you would like, probably like, but I'm still doing it. I haven't quit on YouTube or any <laughs> of that yet in creating because I absolutely do love it. It does bring me joy. So um, Black Dad YouTube channel at Black Dad Journey on Twitter and Instagram. All right. I will put links to those in the show notes. And I loved hearing a little bit about your journey with that too. Like it's, it's so fascinating as we figure, figure out our lives in this moment, isn't it? (laughs) Exactly. It's a lot. It's a lot, but it's, it's fun. The journey's worth it. It definitely is. Thanks so much, Jay. Have a great day. You too. Thanks. I hope you found this episode helpful on your unschooling journey and be sure to check out the growing podcast archive. The conversations never go out of date. You can find more information about my books, the Living Joyfully Network online community, and the Childhood Redefined Unschooling Summit online course at my website, livingjoyfully.ca.